Hey everyone, I'm Debbie from Property Apprentice. Join me today for the Week in Review where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Before I start, I'd like to say a big thank you to the New Zealand Property Investors Federation and the Manawatu Property Investors Association for hosting the 2022 New Zealand Property Investors Conference this past weekend in Palmerston North. Fantastic weekend, lots of great speakers and lots of laughs provided by the MC Jeremy Corbett. I encourage everyone who's interested in property investing to join their local PIA association and attend next year's conference. It was a blast. We'll certainly be there. Our topics for this week in the Week in Review, first up we've got from One Roof on the 6th of September, cashing out. A lot of investors who bought last year are in pain. Second topic from Good Returns on the 5th of September, falls and green shoots in the housing market. Third, we've got New Zealand Herald from the 7th of September, the front page, why New Zealand's housing market is seen as the world's crash test dummy. Fourth topic on the 5th of September, Building activity continues to increase even as rising costs start to bite. And last but not least from Stuff on the 7th of September, property investors are banking on capital gains to justify their investment tax data shows. So first up from One Roof on the 6th of September, cashing out. A lot of investors who bought last year are in pain. One Roof's interviews with agents and mortgage brokers suggest that landlords are starting to feel financial pain. An Auckland North Shore agent said that investor properties account for at least half of his new listings for this month. More properties are coming into the market now at spring, but many of those are being sold because owners are being burdened by rising interest rates and tougher tax rules. Harcourt's Glenfield salesperson, David Ding, mentioned that inquiries have picked up and at least half of his new listings have also been investment properties. According to him, the majority of people selling during winter were those immigrating to Australia, but since last month they've been replaced by investors. Ding was left speechless two weeks ago after carrying out a rental appraisal for a client who told him he was paying $5,800 a month in mortgage repayments through a second-tier lender for a modest property in Glenfield. His prediction is for investors to be the first to sell, followed by first home buyers. Property Brokers General Manager of Property Management, David Faulkner, said that they were still losing landlords to sales, but not to the same extent as they did 12 months ago. This could be an indication of people coming off their fixed mortgages and going on to higher interest rates, or they may have just received a tax bill that they weren't expecting. Some regions were being hit harder than others, with the West Coast losing 100 rental properties due to sales in the last three years, he said. There were also a significant number of landlords selling in South Waikato, Gisborne and Hawke's Bay. Property brokers' rental property stock has increased, but this was due to properties not being sold, so they were being rented out again. When house prices reach a certain point, Faulkner expects to see more investors return to the market on the assumption that a new government could be elected next year and they'd reverse the interest deductibility rules. Easy Street mortgage advisor Gareth Beale thinks apart from tax changes and interest deductibility rules, which have made property investing a little bit less appealing for some people, some investors in Auckland tend to leave the market when it takes longer to see capital growth. In addition to the market change, the amount of rent people were getting in relation to the value of the property didn't make sense for a lot of people in Auckland. There have been complaints regarding the ongoing costs of landlords, but so far none of Veal's clients have decided to sell their investment properties. 
A good piece of advice for landlords is to take the current situation as temporary. If they can weather the storm, they can come out through the other side. Velocity Senior Research Analyst Wayne Shum found that there's been a slight drop in the number of properties being sold based on the number of mortgages deregistered by people who own multiple properties between the first and second quarter of 2022. It wouldn't be a surprise for him if investors were gearing up now to sell their houses so that they'd be on the market during the springtime, but there'd be a lag before these appeared in the mortgage registration data. Second topic for this week, good returns, 5th of September, falls and green shoots in the housing market. Comparisons are being made between the GFC's 4.5% bottoming out in August 2008 and the 3.5% house price fall over the three months to August. CoreLogic's House Price Index, or HPI, shows the national measure of property values fell a further 1.8% in August alone, which is twice the rate of that in July, which was 0.9%. CoreLogic research head Nick Goodall says that restricted, more expensive credit has had an impact on buyers across the country. Also influencing the market is buyer sentiment. Potential buyers are happy to bide their time in the falling market. Despite this, a handful of commentators are now starting to signal the downturn on the ground that may come to an end within the next six to nine months. Goodall said that there have been green shoots of optimism sprinkled through the mostly negative data. However, CoreLogic senior property economist Calvin Davidson says during the GFC prices dropped and then stayed flat for the next one to two years, which suggests that caution is needed about the 2023 to 2024 outlook. Goodall says that the borrowing environment remains tough, and along with stretched affordability off the back of increasing interest rates, a firm bounce back in values is not expected. He forecasts that further increases to the official cash rate are coming, but they'll not have the same impact on mortgage rates as previously since the changes have already been priced in by the banks. Housing affordability is likely to improve, which could add to an increase in property demand. Goodall says that if this is the case and if more buyers anticipate the trough, they may buy before the turning point. Property value growth may not immediately bounce back to a great degree, but it would spell the end of a downturn. A strong labour market with low unemployment has clearly assisted in ensuring homeowners continue to keep up with their mortgage repayments. Credit arrears remain low, according to both credit agency Centrix and the Reserve Bank. The other market factor is the vulnerability of the construction industry and discussion of the recent strength in building consent figures, eating into the prior deficit of homes required. Goodall says statistics surrounding construction are difficult to calculate as it requires a number of assumptions, but the recent announcement of the Build Ready Development Pathway to support stalled construction will be welcome news to the industry faced with diminishing commitments for new builds. Davidson says although there's a lot of water to go under the bridge, some people are now looking more confidently at a national-led government after the next election, which could see a reversal of the Brightline test extension and the reintroduction of interest deductibility for investors in existing properties. However, it still pays to be cautious, as politics can change quickly and new governments don't always reverse existing policies when it comes to tax. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the property market, 
feel free to join me at one of our free Beginner's Guide to Property Investment events available online or in person in our office in Ellerslie in Auckland. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. And if you'd like to find out more about how we can help you to reach your financial goals without having a vested interest by selling any property, because Property Apprentice doesn't sell houses, you can also book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website also. So it's propertyapprentice.co.nz. We'll look forward to seeing you soon. Third topic from the New Zealand Herald on the 7th of September, the front page, why New Zealand's housing market is seen as the world's crash test dummy. Economists around the world are keeping a close eye on what happens to the New Zealand housing market amid the aggressive tightening of our monetary policy. CoreLogic Chief Property Economist Calvin Davidson compares New Zealand to a crash test dummy during a front page podcast session. We're one of the first countries to start tightening monetary policy and pass it through mortgage rates, which in turn passes through to falling house prices. Davidson says that average house prices in New Zealand have fallen about 10% since December 2021. One of the major contributing factors to this decline has been the increased cost of money as the Reserve Bank raises interest rates. The Reserve Bank has adopted one of the most aggressive approaches of any central bank, raising the OCR from 025 to 3% over the last year. More cautious markets around the world are watching for an indication of what's going to happen in New Zealand. Davidson thinks the housing market hasn't hit the bottom yet. He's anticipating that there's still another 5% fall in house prices to go from the current 10% fall. Davidson believes we could see that decline in the first half of next year, but it largely depends on unemployment remaining low. Should recession risks emerge, the projected fall in house prices could be 20%. I'm assuming that means in total, but even, even so, that seems to be quite a lot, and I'd be very surprised if house prices fell that much but I'll come back to that in a second. The Reserve Bank is forecasting a rise in unemployment rates in the coming months, but this would be likely because people are returning to the labour force, which is different from outright job losses. Davidson adds that it's important to view the decline in house prices in the context of highs that they're coming from. Between March 2020 and December 21, values went up by 40%. The fact that we've now fallen about 10% still leaves us 30% higher than we were pre-COVID. And I think that's really worthwhile keeping in mind. You know, ups and downs in the property market are an absolutely normal phase of the property cycle. So we're going through a correction at the moment. And I agree that, you know, it is a correction caused by the rapid increases in a short time frame. Now things are settling back to a more normal level. Okay, fourth topic for this week in review, one roof on the 5th of September, building activity continues to increase even as rising costs start to bite. The amount of building work being undertaken continues to increase even as cost pressures rise. The latest value of building work survey by Statistics New Zealand estimates that $8.413 billion of new building work started in the second quarter of this year. Compared to the first quarter, that was up 9.1%. Compared to the second quarter of last year, this is up by 18.7%. 
It included $5.802 billion worth of residential building work, which is up 8.6% compared to the first quarter and up 20.5% compared to the second quarter of last year. Meanwhile, a total of $2.611 billion of non-residential building work began in the second quarter of this year. This is up 10.3% to the first quarter and up 14.8% compared to the second quarter of last year. It's important to note that the increase in the value of work was driven by rising costs rather than an increase in activity. Residential building costs rose 4.2% between the first and second quarters of this year and non-residential building costs rose 3.6% over the same period. If we remove the effects of those cost increases, new residential building activity increased by 3.2% in the June quarter compared to the March quarter of this year. Non-residential building activity was up 1.6% over the same period, and overall new building activity was up by 2.6%. In the year to June 2022, the total value of building work commenced was $30.92 billion, which is up 12.4% compared to the year to June 2021. Over the same 12-month period, residential building costs increased by 17% and non-residential building costs were up 11%. Fifth topic for this week in review, stuff on the 7th of September, property investors are banking on capital gains to justify their investment, tax data shows. Tax figures show that rental profits are small compared to the money landlords have invested into buying rental properties. This suggests that many investors are relying on capital gains to make their ventures successful. And I'd just quietly like to add that you should never invest purely on something that you've got no control over, such as capital growth. According to the information released under the Official Information Act, about a third of owners lost money on their rentals in recent years, and those that were profitable bought in about $10,000 a year on average. Tax consultant Terry Boucher said that the figures supported assumptions many have regarding investors relying on tax-free capital gains to make their investment worthwhile. There's no exact figure on how much money investors have spent in buying rentals, but the Reserve Bank puts the value of rental properties at $369 billion in March last year. Net rental income at the end of the 2021 tax year totaled $1.4 billion, which Brosha said equated to about a 0.3% return before tax. The Inland Revenue, IR, data did not include earnings from rentals held in companies, but Brosha said returns were still likely to be low. He explained that this doesn't make sense for investors, which is why he thinks they're more interested in tax-free capital gains. For him, it was important to have data showing how the sector operated because it showed investors that while their decisions might have made personal financial sense in the short term, it revealed that they were contributing to a situation that caused economic and social harm. Property investors are contributing to inequality and motivating people to give up and move overseas. He said it's hard for people to take criticisms as they put a lot of time and effort into investing. There'd be a lot of emotional pushback to his statements. Um, you think? Let me come back to that in a second. A comparison between the median price investors paid for properties in recent years and average rental returns seemed to support Bosch's argument. The average rental income investors received equated to about 1% of the median price they paid for a property in the last three years. 
Auckland Property Investors Association President Kristen Sutherland disagrees with Bosher. The information showed most rentals were profitable and investors did not rely on capital gains. Like that's a key point there. You know, the minority might have been relying on capital gains and I would suggest that they were ones that were a bit less informed about how to how to be a successful property investor. Kristen also disagrees that the decision to invest in residential property had become unethical, with most investors providing clean and dry homes for those who either couldn't afford it or couldn't afford to buy or those that chose not to buy. Investors don't aim to buy homes meant for first-home buyers and they make decisions based on current policy and rules. In our experience, we've found that first-home buyers and emotional mum and dad investors Uh, they tend to buy based on emotion, whereas investors tend to buy based on on the facts and the numbers put in front of them. If policy decisions make property investment the best choice, the question should be whether these should be changed to make other investment options more attractive. Sutherland believes that investors are being scapegoated for a supply and demand issue, which is not their fault. Bosher anticipates a number of investors leaving the market in the next few years as their tax advantages get removed. The tax figures show during the 2021 tax year of the 237,100 investors tracked by the Inland Revenue, 73% made a net profit from their investment fee, either via rental income or sales that were subject to tax under the Brightline test. The average profit those investors made was $10,299. The remaining 28% made an average loss of $5,635. So that's 28% of investors are making a loss. So the majority of people are making a profit from their investment portfolios. Bosher said it's difficult to make predictions on what's going to happen after next year's election, but if Labor stayed in power, new rules that stopped property investors being able to deduct mortgage interest payments from their rental income for tax purposes would probably remain in place, which was likely to dent profitability and reduce speculation. I would like to argue that property investors aren't speculators. If you're a speculator, you're a property trader, which is totally different to long-term buy-and-hold investing. Most investors actually own their rental properties for longer than most home buyers do. So, you know, and that's something that's backed up by statistics. National leader Christopher Luxon has stated he would scrap the phase-out of mortgage interest deductibility, returning the tax advantage to investors, which would probably provide a boost to profitability and encourage more investment. Sutherland doesn't expect a large number of investors exiting the market, regardless of which political party was in power. I would also like to add to those comments and say that, you know, with investors leaving the the market, that increases the demand for rental properties. So the downside to investors leaving the market means that there's fewer rental properties available. The waiting list for emergency accommodation and social housing providers will increase even further, and it's already at record high levels, 20,000 plus people on the waiting list for emergency housing. If anything, government should be encouraging more property investors to provide housing and, you know, build new housing for property investors, for tenants as well, because this is becoming a serious issue 
people who need a place to rent. There is just not enough rental properties available and the government certainly can't provide all of the rental properties that are required by this country. So if you would like to help with the rental crisis in New Zealand, learn more about becoming a property investor, learn more about the facts to reduce your risks and feel free to join me at one of our free weekly events that we hold. Register for one of those online via our website, propertyapprentice.co.nz, and bring your questions because I run them as a live event. So feel free to ask as many questions as you like, and I'll answer as many as I can in the time permitting. Thanks for listening.